Savannah, Georgia, Southern Progression. We got some cool stuff to talk about today. Uh, so Joe Biden's been in office for a little while now, and the unfortunate truth is that those of us who were warning the liberals, uh, who got really excited, or, or even you know, socialists, we had some we had some dim socialists and some social democrats who were just crazy excited about a Joe Biden presidency, or or they said it was harm reduction. And people like myself disagreed. We said, you know, it's going to be quieter, but still really, really bad. Well, the Hill reports today on May 17th, 2021, that Biden has approved a $735 million weapon sale to Israel. This comes, uh, I mean, almost feels like in response to, right? Uh, Israel continuing to combat Palestinians after slowly but surely occupying more and more of their land, not cracking down on Zionist behavior because that is the norm. Uh, if, if you don't know what the Zionists do in, in Israel uh, and in Palestine, they find Palestinian homes and... I'm talking about when I say they, this is a group of, you know, 20 or 30 people will show up at your house if you're Palestinian and they pull you physically. They grab you and they pull you out of your house and then they grab all your shit and throw all your shit out and they now occupy your home. And they do that city blocks at a time. This is really, really crazy. And th this kind of treatment towards Palestinians is not new. This is not some new, like, flared up thing. This goes back a long time. Israel was using chemical weapons on Palestinians uh, 2009 for instance white phosphorus was dropped in 2009 well white phosphorus was just used again and it's really hard to find an official some kind of a big outlet that's actually talking about white phosphorus being dropped on Palestinian streets I'm having to go on Twitter and talk to people who actually live there and are telling us about it and then go through proxies for people who speak Arabic to tell us what's happening in the region also um, which is a, a second-hand source, which is not great. I can Google Translate it, but it's kind of broken. Uh, so I get clarity through proxies on Twitter. Uh, well, th this 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 is a this is an outrage. So we continue at the federal level, especially to aid them militarily. Israel, we aid them militarial, militarily. Uh, we're taking care of these people who drop white phosphorus in the streets. If you don't know what white phosphorus is capable of, you can't ingest it for very long. There is a safe, a supposed safe amount of white phosphorus, like what you'd find in a, a smoke grenade. Uh, but this, this is not the place for smoke grenades, first of all, in the Palestinian streets. And second, um, white phosphorus is extremely flammable. And there are some photos, especially from the 2009 altercations, where, um, I mean, there are people burnt head to toe. Their clothes are still on, but uh, singed in their skin. It looks like the two are melted together. It's one of the ugliest things you could possibly do to other human beings, you know, white phosphorus. It's very dangerous, and so... I've seen I've seen photos and videos of white phosphorus airbursts exploding in the atmosphere, and then it rains down pieces from there. That that's how that's how they're firing their munitions uh, with airbursts. 
you know, there's a video game that explores that where there's a scene. It's um, it's Spec Ops The Line for my video game friends. Well, there's a, a scene in this game where they kind of force you to use white phosphorus mortars. And you take out the enemy, and it's like, ah, well, when you go down on foot to investigate, and you walk through this landscape you just uh, mortared with white phosphorus, it shows that you have just killed a bunch of innocent people with white phosphorus. Uh, they are absolutely torched and, and just sitting on the ground steaming. Uh, it's, it's, very, it's very hard, okay? It's, it's emotionally very hard to get through. Well, that's a video game. This is real life. And this has been going on for a very long time. Uh, the time was decades ago uh, to stop funding Israel. We're not friends with Israel. I mean, we as in regular people, we're not friends with Israel. But they are the same as us right now. They are the same as us in the United States. They're the same in that uh, they want geopolitical control. So do we. Uh, they are okay with abusing human rights. So are we. If they had to topple a government and they had the ability to, they would. But they know that we can do the heavy lifting for them, at least for now, while they continue to grow and take over Palestine. And so they rely on us, and, and we're, we're allies based on uh, how evil we are, in essence, right? So that needs to end. I don't want to talk too much more about it because this is Southern progression, and we talk about Southern stuff. Just wanted to say Joe Biden fucking blows. And so if at this point you're still defending your vote for Joe Biden, please stop. It's okay. Like, we're not going to make fun of you that much. But uh, people on Twitter recently have been saying, hey, look, I, I've never been prouder to have not voted for a neoliberal, for Joe Biden. Someone here at 100 Disabled Vet says, see, Joe Biden is an imperialist, racist murderer, just like we told you. Uh, we exactly we, we we knew what he was already. He is now supporting. Um, I'm sorry, continuing support for a racist murderer uh, in Netanyahu. All right, South. I've got bad news. The U.S. Supreme Court has agreed to consider the Mississippi ban on most abortions after 15 weeks, and that doesn't mean that uh, we're trying to like overturn Roe v. Wade or the uh, Planned Parenthood versus Casey. That's not what this does. Um, but the fact that the Supreme Court with a 6-3 conservative majority is taking up Mississippi's appeal um, <clears throat> is, is a big deal. It means that they are interested in defending Mississippi on abortion law, on a, an abortion ban after 15 weeks of pregnancy, which completely messed up. Um this is uh this is you know for all my freedom lovers here in the south this is anti-freedom I, I don't know why concern it's the conservative agenda to control women that's a conservative value control women their bodies their jobs control women this is the opposite of what we want to see right we want to see these strict laws get struck down not kind of uh, micro-examined by the Supreme Court of the United States and say, well, maybe, you know, maybe this is okay. We're going to call this constitutional. That's what the, that's what they're going for right now. They're, they're, they want to go ahead and say, yes, this is constitutional. Uh, and then the rest of the southern states will be happy to follow along if they have not already. 
put in some kind of aggressive abortion ban because that you get the blessing of the Supreme Court of the United States. Well, now your state governments feel like they can pretty much do anything. That's not great. Uh, the fact that we allowed a, a 6-3 majority, uh, this has been a complete disaster. These are some of the effects of having a conservative majority. And there wasn't a whole lot we could do to avoid being in this 6-3 conservative majority situation. Um, we fought these nominees who, who made up this majority, and we lost. This is just the way we have this top-down power in the U.S. where it should be the opposite. I should be able to vote for this sort of thing, uh, at least through proxy of an election, where you know this candidate supports that justice and the other candidate supports a different justice. I, I should have the freedom to vote at least through proxy of an election for another higher office like president, uh, you know, but I, we, we didn't get to do that. This is just something that's like put upon us, and now, now they rule with a fucking iron hammer. So Mississippi, you suck on this issue and a lot of other issues, uh, and I hope this doesn't spread anywhere else. The main meat of my episode today, I want to talk about childhood poverty. Uh, the IRS is going to start payments, monthly payments, of the child tax credit on July 15th. So this does not mean that parents get more money, but you get your money spread out in monthly installments instead of a yearly payment uh, when you get your tax refund. So the amount of money does not go up. You're talking about up to $300 for children under 6 and up to $250 for each child 6 to 18 years old. So this is, you know, it has a feeling of UBI to it, like a child UBI, which is, I mean, it's good. I think we should have that plus an actual UBI, though, if if we're going to try and prop up the working class in some way. We have to do it some way. At this point, I don't care that much how we do it. If it's a UBI, great. Uh, if it's increasing wages substantially, like a, a $25 minimum wage is what people have started talking about fighting for, which is great. That's that's wonderful. It's going to take a long time to actually push through a minimum wage increase as we just learned with the $15 an hour minimum wage. We still don't have that at the federal level. So we understand now that uh, this is this is difficult to get through. Let's start fighting for the 25 today and maybe we'll have it and it'll mean something in the semi-near future. I mean, probably 10 years or so, right? if we're being realistic. Uh, so kids need money. Kids are expensive, and everything that a kid has to do is expensive. Education and eating and child care, especially child care. My God, this country needs universal child care, pre-K. We need it real bad. Stuff like buying kids clothes. Kids grow up really fast, and their clothes are not good for very long. They're going to grow out of them very quickly. So you got to buy a whole lot of clothes, a whole lot of diapers for babies. That stuff's expensive. Baby food, doctor's visits. There's one that we're still not addressing. There is a big one that we are still not addressing. We do not have any form of universal health care in this country. And so we're not taking care of, 
of the youth, even from birth. Birth still costs money in this country. That makes no sense. You can't, you can't just like not have a baby, right? Especially in places like Mississippi. You definitely, definitely can't just not have a baby in Mississippi. We just talked about that. But when your child is born, which you are forced to have, you got to pay the hospital a big bill. You're being forced to pay for services that you may not have even wanted. And that should be free anyways if you did want that child. It should be free to have the baby. It should be free to support that baby. Until they turn 18 years old at least. Uh, we have the resources. We're just not using them, right? We're allowing people at the very top of our society to soak up all the money. Think about a single parent. They pay income tax. They go do a job where their labor has some kind of small, tiny value in comparison to what they produce for a company. And someone at the top is soaking up all that money they're making. And so the child suffers. Why does the child have to suffer? So this is a very small tweak in my opinion. It, it should be increasing the amount of money that a single parent can get substantially. Right? We need to take care of children. They're going to grow up and hopefully solve some of the problems that the young people of the 60s and 70s caused. Fucked up real bad. That the old people like Joe Biden today don't have to deal with. But they do. The children do. So let's start them off right. What does this do? Uh, it, it, it's effectively going to make the money more available because it's coming in monthly rather than annually. So it makes it a little more available. It's a little bit of extra money that comes in every month, but it's not a whole lot of money, especially for someone who's actually poor. And this is personal to me because I, I grew up this way. And although I, I do think this child tax credit would help because we had three kids in my house, me, my sister, my brother. And you know, let's say that we got 250 for each of us. Well, my parents would definitely like to have an extra $750 a month to take care of us with. That would have helped out a lot. Maybe we would have got clothes more than once a year, which again was fine. Maybe my parents would have uh, not went to loan sharks like Title Max to be able to pay for things like school clothes. You know, we, we went through a lot of really unnecessary shit and my parents worked damn hard 40 hours a week which is still too much work okay I didn't get to see my mom because she worked at a factory until oh what 10.30 at night or so she would come home finally so I didn't get to see them I was supposed to be in bed for school the next day I didn't even get to see one of my parents often at all throughout my childhood and we lived in poverty still. Not extreme poverty. We had our basic necessities. We were okay, but it still affected me. And I went to school with a lot of people who were a lot more poor than I was, who, who grew up in really dangerous areas. And, not, of course, not by choice. Again, it's just what their parents could get. We're talking about, you know, there's a lot of people out here who are disabled and kids who grew up in broken homes and live with their grandparents. Their grandparents are poor. They're too old to work. We're not taking care of these kids. We need to increase this amount of money substantially. I don't have a number in mind exactly. We should be increasing household income across the board for working families and for non-working families. We've got to take care of everybody. We're not leaving people out. 
Okay, think about the children. They can't control where they live, where they were born, how they grew up. None of that is in a child's control. So it's our responsibility as society collectively to take care of those people. And the main way we can do that is financially. So let's just do it. Uh, so this is to me, this is a half measure still that we're supposed to like get giddy about. Let's listen to uh, MSNBC here. It's Senator Cory Booker on the subject. He has supposedly been the one championing, oh boy, this half measure to help kids. Very, very insignificant in my opinion. But let's listen to how excited he is about it. Turnpike named after you for the focus because this is the biggest thing. I know a lot of people are focused on $1,400 checks and more. That this expansion of the child tax credit and the potential to make it permanent, which me, Senators Brown, Senators Bennett, uh, and others are going to really fight for, it will have a transformative impact. And I see the graphic you have up, but let's just be clear. This is going to cut child poverty for the year that it's there uh, virtually in half in the United States of America. Every dollar we invest in doing this saves taxpayers about $7 because kids who are brought up outside above the poverty line do better in school, earn more as adults, have lower health care expenses, and lower involvements with the law. And so this is exciting to me. And I, I, it actually will be the biggest cut of child poverty that any administration has done in the history of the United States of America. And so all of us should be excited about this because there are a lot of families that make uh, below $60,000 a year uh, that don't collect right now the full child tax credit. So by making it automatically refundable, uh, issuing it in monthly ch chunks will have a transformative impact on the majority of American families. Yes, even if we didn't increase the amount, making it actually available to people who are qualified for it, that seems like it should be an automatic. So they, they got a little bit muddy there at the end, but uh, so it, 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 it increases the maximum payments they can receive, not necessarily what you will receive, but the maximum that it's possible from $2,000 to $3,600 per child per year through this uh, program. So this is, that, that's the, um, uh, that's the March Senate plan that was passed, the $1.9 trillion COVID-19 relief plan. Now what they're talking about doing is hopefully making that permanent, uh, which is an extra $3,600 per kid per year in monthly installments. Uh, so if there's a, a real increase, and again, Small improvement, incremental change. Remember how Democrats do incremental change, not transformative, like he just said. It's not transformative. Please don't do that. Okay, let me explain why. If household, he did not address household income, okay, except for saying that we have a lot of poor, a lot of poor people. He didn't say this is how we stop having a lot of poor people. This is how we take care of kids. Well, the money can go into the bank account and then have to go to rent. The money can come into the bank account and they have to go to groceries, which is also for children, mind you, but it's a household expense outside of child-specific needs. That's a family total need, okay? So we're not saying, okay, all your needs are already met and here's some extra money for your kids so you can take care of your kids real nice. Not saying that. They're saying we're going to pay special attention to poor families with kids so that they can pay their bills, basically, is what this is. Again, incremental change to try and start to get up to that bare minimum mark. Uh, so I'm just still disappointed. It's it's a it's a small 
good thing. Uh, it just lacks these trans the actual transformation that we need in the United States, especially in the South. I uh, pulled up some numbers here, speaking of the South, about childhood poverty. Alabama, 25.1% childhood poverty. So 20, uh, that's a quarter of kids in Alabama are poor. I mean, th think about what that means. You walk into a classroom, and every fourth student you count is poor. Absolutely crazy. A quarter of that classroom is poor? In the richest country in the history of the world, the number's from 2018. Mississippi, you're at 27%. Great. So in Mississippi, you have to you have to have that child, remember, like we talked about earlier, so that you can then live in poverty with that child. Great. You're doing things wonderfully. Stop doing that. Georgia, we are at uh, 20% with a 9% extreme poverty rate. So... One in five, still a lot. Tennessee, 22.6%. South Carolina, 23%. Kentucky, 21.7%. Washington State, 15%. New York City, 22.2%. And I actually looked at the map in New York City of some of their districts. Some of their districts are over 50% childhood poverty rate. Are you joking? More than half of the kids in some of those neighborhoods in NYC, and I will bet you this is true for every other state in the country, when you get to the more highly populated, lower-income areas, uh, that you're looking at about, you know, every other kid you see on the street is poor. That is absolutely nuts, and it does not even take into account people who are near the line that we consider the poverty line. Because, uh, you know... A family, you know, say a single parent making forty grand and taking care of a kid, is not considered poor. But that that would be near the poverty line at this point, especially in some areas like Los Angeles County, where cost of living is rather high. Forty grand is not very much money in Los Angeles County or, or even New York City. The, these big expensive places, you know, forty grand is not a lot of money. Okay, I'm I make personally, I make uh, just north of forty grand, and if I had a kid and I was a single parent, I had to pay for my own house by myself and all that, I think I'd be poor. Uh, my parents collectively would make about mm, about 50 grand when I was a kid, and they supported three kids. Now that is that's poor. You've got 50 grand a year to go around for three kids and yourself. That's poor. Uh, you you just you're just struggling to even meet your bills at that point. And remember, you know, it, all it takes for a single parent making forty grand a year is one trip to the doctor, one emergency visit. Simple, small things that we could take care of easily that will plunge that family into extreme poverty, perhaps overnight. I'm talking just one emergency room visit because somebody got sick. Simple stuff like that that happens all the time. Okay, someone with forty grand a year and taking care of a kid, maybe even two kids, right? Uh, car repairs are going to be difficult. You know, uh, when do you even go and do this stuff? What, like, what what time do you have? You have two jobs, two really big jobs. You have to go do a job that makes you money, and then you have to also take care of your kids. That's 
That's two very, very important, very difficult, time-consuming jobs. When do you have time for anything else? When do you, you don't have money to take your kids on a vacation. And they need to get away from home, too. You need to get away from home. You, have, you can't just grind out your fucking life like that forever. That's not living. It's struggling. And we don't have to do that anymore. Uh, Roger Buckminster said that some time ago. That we don't we no longer need to even work a lot of us don't even need to work anymore to live a decent life and i would say that be, because we have invented so many jobs that are unnecessary just to have a job to create jobs because that's a fucking buzzword in this country we have to work marco rubio said that in response to this child tax credit i'm talking about with senator booker uh on twitter he he said something to the tune of well, this is just welfare. This is for people to stop working as much. And we need to go work. We should always be working, working, working. Why? He, he knows how to read a room. He knows who he's talking to. People who get just a massive erection when talking about jobs. Jobs are good. Jobs are not good. We all hate our jobs. Uh, but I digress, so... Um, Childhood poverty is a big deal. It affects kids for life. It has affected me for life. It affects me still. I'm doing great financially. No one has to worry about me. I'm doing great. My parents just came to visit me uh, all the way from Tennessee, where I'm from, down here in Savannah, Georgia. And they saw my house, saw where I live. They, they thought it was great. And I, I wanted them to see that I'm doing wonderful because I, I moved really far away. And now they know that I'm okay. They see that I'm okay in person. And that's a good thing for them. After all that struggling we went through as a family, I wanted them to see that they succeeded as parents. Look at me. I'm doing great. I wanted them to know that. I think it will help them be happy. Sleep better at night knowing that despite everything that may have gone wrong and and how much work they did and how you know they had to work late at night in factories and just just terrible just absolutely terrible day by day working those 40 hour weeks not seeing your kids as much and being stressed out about money so not being able to enjoy your time with your kids as much you know does that stuff affect me sure but i'm doing okay i think it at least in my in my little small tiny example my parents were able to break this cycle of poverty with me and I, I could not be more appreciative than I am they did they went out of their way to make sure that I got some kind of higher education uh, I got it for free because we were poor I got two grants that paid for my schooling it was just a tech school a 16 month program but it, it launched my career where I, I now make a comfortable amount of money um, and so thank your, if you got good parents, thank your parents. It's a good time for it. That's all we're going to talk about today on Southern Progression. It doesn't feel like we're progressing a whole lot. Here and there we get some small wins like this child tax credit. It looks like it's, I mean, potentially more money for families, which is a, a good thing. Like this MSNBC person here said, she said, should be automatic. Well, it should be a lot more than that. Okay, Automatic? Nah, I don't know about that. Uh, but what I guess, I guess the undertone there is that this is not that significant. It's like, okay, obviously, man, no one should argue with this. Okay, sure. Uh, that just proves that no one in Congress is trying to make transformative changes, just incremental ones that are automatic, so to speak. Great.
Uh, maybe we'll get better. Just got to keep on fighting, keep on grinding, especially here in the South because we need a lot of help. Oh, quick mention, get your COVID-19 vaccines, friends. Just go to the pharmacy in your town, get the vaccines. Don't be part of these this small percentage of jerks that's going to walk around and say, oh, yeah, I have my vaccines, just so they can follow that new CDC ruling saying uh, that if you're fully vaccinated, you don't have to wear your mask anymore, except in places that require it, you know, a grocery store, so to speak, that kind of thing. Uh, don't be part of the small percentage of people, especially here in the South. You know, here I feel like it's maybe like 40 or 50% of people, you know, 30%, some, some large chunk. Uh, don't be part of that where you say, I'm vaccinated, and you just walk around without a mask, or you just say nothing and, and walk without a mask because the vaccine is bullshit. I didn't get sick. Don't do that, please. Just get the vaccine. It is super quick. I went to Publix to get my vaccine. I'm getting my second round uh, tomorrow morning, actually. Super, I mean, I walked in, I checked in, I sat down. It was like a in five minutes I was vaccinated. You know, it's not hard. It didn't cost me anything. Easy. Just go do it. And uh, weather's getting warmer. You're near the beach, go to the beach, enjoy life, that sort of thing. Good luck. It is you, you must Say, Governor Billy. Hey, Billy, I hey, come here, son. Let me talk to you for a minute. Southern progression.